Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Racing Pod Blast with me, Tony McCormick, and Ben Aitken from Narrowing the Field. Well into our third month of the Pod Blast and Ascot is where the main action is this weekend on the racing front and we are covering three races from the track and today's racing Pod Blast. Welcome along everyone, the top, middle and bottom football Trixie battle stays in the Scottish Leagues and then we close the Pod Blast with our best of the rest section and I believe you have something a little different for that uh, section of the Pod Blast this week. Ben, hello and welcome along. What have you got oh, for the okay. end? Oh, Tony. Um, yeah, I have. I have something slightly different, so uh, stay tuned right to the end, everyone, to pick that up. Good stuff. Good stuff. Look forward to that. Interesting. Okay, let's get stuck uh, in. Here we go. Uh, first race on the agenda is the Swinley Handicap Chase. 2.25 from Ascot. 14 runners set to go to post over three miles. Ben, can you start us off with the Swinley Handicap Chase? Very much, Tony. Uh, nothing on the trends front for this one for me. Um, I do think the market has this one about right. Uh, the ones near the head of the market, I think they do look the most likely players in this. I came down on a short list of Cap du Nord, Revels Hill in Laskalin. Uh, the only one at double figures that caught my eye was maybe Neon Moon from the Pipe Yard. Um, of those mentioned, I'd just about be favouring Revels Hill. Uh, he's around the 6-1 to one mark. Uh, I have prime conditions for him as handicaps over two mile five or further and days since last run 30 or more uh, when he races under those conditions he has three wins and two seconds from five starts conditions he gets here last time out at Sandown, he was racing off a break of only 15 days so that runs easily forgiven he is much better off longer breaks he wears first time cheek pieces on saturday to try and squeeze out a bit more improvement. And he'd be my main player in this, Revels Hill. What are you thinking, Tony? Yeah, that's interesting. I had Revels Hill on the shortlist as well, mate. Uh, Danny Kerwin, for me, at around 7-1. to one. Paul Nichols, Harry Cobden in the plate, of course, trained by Paul Nichols. Uh, goes well on good ground, hitting the frame a few times, as well as victories here and at Wincanton 12 months ago. Won at this venue in March last year, Ben, in a, albeit a four-runner contest, but he's, he's won at Ascot. Second of 13 over course and distance just last October off a £3 lower mark. So, Danny Kerwin. Um, anywhere else, I wouldn't be his biggest fan, to be honest, Ben, but uh, Danny Kerwin, 7-1, to one, and also won at a bigger price, Nocte Velatis. At 33 to 1, uh, with some firms who are paying four places and five places on the race. So uh, shop around. Tom Lacey is in absolutely exquisite form at the moment. The trainer, Tom Lacey, four winners and a further five hit in the frame from 12 runners facing the starter in the last two weeks. That's a 75% win in place strike rate. So uh, my two there, Danny Kerwin and uh, Nocte Velatis at around 33 to 1 in the Swiss. Handicap chase at 2.25. 3 o'clock, box for kids handicap hurdle, class 2, over 2 miles at 3.5 furlong. Ben, over to you for the 3 o'clock. Yeah, a handful of trends to help narrow the field in the, the 3 o'clock. The last 15 winners were all 
aged four to eight, had no more than 12 hurdle starts and no more than three hurdle wins and all run in a, uh, ran in a hurdle race last time out. Now, that would loosely chop the field in half this year. Uh, on the trainer front, Dr. Richard Newland has saddled five runners in this race previously, and an impressive three of them have won. Uh, the two who didn't win, they were 33-1 and 40-1 shots, so unfancied types. Well, his three winners all started at around 10 to 1 or less. Now, this year, he saddles one runner, Wizkid. He's around the 10 to 1 mark. Uh, it's in line with his previous winners. Wizkid uh, is coming on into this off the back of a two-length second at Huntingdon 19 days ago. The form of that has already been boosted. The third horse, Impulsive 1, who was six lengths behind Wizkid, he came out and won a Class 2 handicap at Weatherby this Wednesday. Um, he Wizkid himself, he's also placed... It has placed form, sorry, at Ascot from earlier this season. We finished third in a Class 2. And he also ran a fine race at Aintree Festival last season, also in a Class 2. So plenty of positives for the horse, and he is one that definitely catches my eye, Wizkid. Also a quick mention for 50 Ball, the only course and distance winner in the field. Now, he pulled up in seasonal debut last time out at Kempton, but that was a difficult race. Um, most of the field actually pulled up in that. And 50 Ball always needs his first run of the season. So he'll be fitter for that outing. And he does have conditions to suit here. Uh, with his 50 balls form and handicaps on right-handed tracks from marks below 130, reading three wins and a second from four starts. Now, all three of those wins, he had Niall Houlihan on board. He has Niall Houlihan on board here. So we should see a better run from 50 ball here than we did last time out. And yeah, I think... Wizkid and 50 Ball, the two that are on my radar mainly just now. Tony, where are you at for the three o'clock? That's good, that Wizkid. I like the Wizkid, mate. Um, Dr. Richard Newland coming back into form. A little bit of form recently as well. And also one of the best racing syndicates anywhere in the country, Foxtrot Racing. Uh, absolutely marvellous. Run impeccably by Dan Abraham. Uh, Wizkid, yeah, that's uh, good, that, mate. And uh, very, very good point about... Uh, Niall Houlihan being uh, on 50 ball as well for tomorrow. Now, we've got the favourite here, which is Irish Hill um, for trainer Paul Nichols and jockey Harry Cobden at 9-2. to two. But I'm going for another Nichols horse, Sam Arrive or Sam Arrive at uh, around 16-1. to one. Form here is a concern at Ascot, but goes well on good ground. And I think he can hit the frame with uh, Fab Five Freddy Jingle in the uh, in the uh, taking off £7. He's in the saddle. Uh, more of a sundown horse, Sam Arrive, but uh, Nichols persisting with the six-year-old at Ascot, which, uh, which makes it interesting for me, 16-1. to one. And Petit Tonner, uh, for uh, trainer uh, John Joe Neal and uh, John Joe Neal Jr. in the plate pulled up last time when he was badly hampered uh, by a faller at Kempton on the 14th of January last month uh, on soft ground badly hampered by a faller at the second uh, he actually made a mistake himself at the fifth and he was very very quickly pulled up after that by John Joe Neal Jr. I do like that ran well in defeated entry and Newbury before that so Petit Tonnerre each way and Sam Arrive or Sam Arrive for trainer Paul Nichols at around 16 to 1. Again, firms, you have to shop around. Firms paying four places, but a couple uh, by tomorrow will be paying five places. On to the 335, the best Betfair Ascot chase, the grade one over two mile, five furlongs. Ben, your take on the uh, Betfair Ascot chase tomorrow? 
Yeah, generally a small field for this, Tony. Uh, same again this year, although a six-runner races go. I suppose this one's not too bad with some of the, the runners in it. Uh, plenty focus, and actually will be on Shishkin. Uh, although, as I mentioned in our, our Ryanair chase preview, it's just very difficult to get a grip on at present. Not one I could really be backing right now. Great. I just need to, you know, I just need to see how he takes this race before taking any sort of view on him. Um, on the trends front for the race, a couple of trends for listeners to factor in. The last fifteen winners all rated one five eight or higher ran in a class one or two chase over two mile three to three mile last time out and recorded their last victory in a Class 1 or Class 2 race over further than 2 mile 1. The horses meeting all of that criteria this year are Fakir Dudere, Pictore and First Flow. The Pictore, 0 from 3 at Grade 1 level, well beaten each time. So he does need to up his game a little to get involved here. Uh, in fairness, maybe not impossible. He has looked a more complete horse this year. Uh, he had a wind up in the off-season, so I'm interested to see if Pick Dory can cut it at the top level. Probably not interested enough to be backing him. First flow, I think he must have dipped from his peak now. He's an 11-year-old. The figures do suggest that. Ground may also be in a quick side for him, so not particularly interested in him causing a surprise in this, which leaves me with last year's winner, Fakir Dudre, uh, a horse who has six wins in two places from his 10 chase starts over 2 mile to 2 mile 5 trips, so perfect trip for him. He's also 5 wins and 3 places from 8 starts, never finishing out of the first 2 when he races in fields of 9 or less and breaks of 21 to 35 days. So conditions very much in his favour here. He'll be tuned to the second for this, I imagine. Uh, he has the least questions to answer. He's very much the correct favourite here. Probably a little surprised he isn't shorter than he is. He's uh, he's around 74 at the time of recording. So, yeah, Fakir de Udre for me, Tony, I think, in the Betfair Ascot Chase. What you got? Well, I personally think we'll be in the money if Pick Dory and I Wright make the early pace because I think it'll fall right into the hands of Fakir de Udre. I'm, I'm with you, Ben. I'm very much... Not against Shishkin, but um, sitting on the fence the same... Uh, I did mention... <laughs> Did mention on Wednesdays the same as uh, Noble Yates with me. I just don't know what to make of Shiskin at the minute. But uh, Faka Diderez, as you said, uh, won this 12 months before finishing second to Alaho and the Ryanair. Four grade one victories, which seem to have been forgotten. Uh, possible for possibly fortunate to win last time out, but definitely Fakir Diderez uh, for me to uh, win again. Of course, he won this. 12 months ago and uh, shop around for the best prices as you did last week gang when Orkin Risk was given on this very programme on this very podcast at 14 to 1 eventually winning last week at 9 to 1 I was waiting for you to mention it Ben I didn't think you were going to mention it so I thought I'd mention it myself I thought I'd let you blow your own <laughs> trumpet Tony there's no point in me blowing your trumpet big man. <laughs> not again <laughs> No, no, yeah, no, no. You need to blow your own trumpet these days, Tony. No, no, great, great shout. Very pleased with both of us because my one came fourth. You'll go great fourth, yes, yeah. Because yours was a big outsider, wasn't it? And that, um, no, played brilliantly. It was great. And I know you were in the pub throwing your pints about when Auchinrest rolled over the line in front. So yeah. (laughs) Well, it was. I must say, yes, I was. I was out with his eldest son uh, last week because. 
I love watching me uh, doing all the work Thursday, Friday, overnights, of course, a, a talk sport with Martin Kellner overnight uh, with a little racing spot there at 3.15am in the morning on Saturday mornings. Um, but I just I'm absolutely demoralised by the three and four and five runner races. And I went, I'm off out just for a couple of hours, just went out, got back for about half three and watched the uh, those daft, um, the, the score programmes on uh, on Sky and BT, BT score and all that, watch the scores coming in. But uh, yeah, it was a great it was great to watch Ork and Risk win and well done on the fourth as well, Ben. Right now, moving on to, uh, to of course, the one you've all been waiting for, it's top, middle and bottom. <laughs> Welcome along, dear friends. Usual rules apply. One pound Trixie from us both. Four pound in total. Uh, ben, an update on last week, please. Yeah, last week, Tony, one winner, two losers, minus four points. Myself, two winners, one loser, plus 0.84 points profit. Um, I think we're going to have to sack off Queen's Park, so, Tony. They're letting us down week after week. <laughs> they're getting the jitters. They're seeing the, the Premier League in sight, and they're bottling it. So, yeah, aren't they? they, they yeah, they, they've let us in a couple of times, Queen's Park. Um, running totals, though. Plus 29.67 for yourself. For me, plus 65.56. I don't know how I got here, but Good I'm not going to um, So this week, I will start us off, Tony, in the top championship. Air to beat Partick at 13-10. to 10. Partick are really struggling for clean sheets right now, conceding in all of their last nine games. And they've been struggling on the road of late losing four of their last five. Ayr, on the other hand, have been tight enough at home. They've only lost two of their 12 home matches, so Ayr to get the job done against managerless Partick in the Championship. Middle, Scottish first, Clyde to beat Peterhead at evens. I've just got to side with Clyde here, mainly due to Peterhead's stinking away form. They've played 12, they've won none, they've drawn three, they've lost nine, they've scored only six, they've conceded <laughs> 32 goals on the road. Uh, Clyde haven't been great at home, to be honest, but um, they've been scoring regularly on their home patch. So Clyde for me in the middle. Bottom, Forfar to beat Bonnie Rig Rose at 23-20. to Forfar have won four of their last five. Bonnie Rigg have lost four of their last five. Bonnie Rigg have lost their last three at home. Forfar have won their last three on the road. Quite simply, two teams heading in the opposite directions right now. So Forfar for me in that one. So Air, Clyde and Forfar, where are you at, Tony? I am at the Championship. I'm the same as you. Air to beat Partick Thistle uh, in the Championship. What, what? Can you just say your analysis again on Partick? Ben. All right, Partick. Yeah. Um, where are we at? They have conceded all of their last nine games. Yeah. Um, they've lost four of the last five on the road and air. They've only lost two of their 12 home matches. Yeah. It's got to be air. Partick, I don't even have a manager. Yeah, I've got air at home to Partick, and my analysis was Partick are useless. I could have just said that, yeah. yeah. Uh, League One, yeah. Kelty Hearts at home to Queen of the South, uh, 7 to 5. I'm going for that one. And same as you, uh, Ben, the revitalised Forfar Athletic away at Bonnie Rig Rose at 11 to 10. I've got here. You, you're 
well, shop around different prices. Yeah. Um, yeah mine are at the same and, and, and are on now. Air at home to Party Thistle, Kelty Hearts at home to Queen of the South, and Forfar away at uh, Bonnie Rig Rose. Uh, okay, Ben, we close this week's show with uh, our best of the rest. Uh, some trends, stats, and pointers for the rest of Saturday's action. I bet it's, I'll, I'll start off here, Ben, by saying that I haven't got anything. I had a couple of horses that came up, but none of them go on the ground. So we, we don't put horses up just for the sake of putting them up at this uh, at this very interesting best of the rest at the end of the show. I had a couple of horses that sort of fitted a few angles and trends, uh, but none of them, uh, either of them, go on the ground. So, uh, Ben, over to you. Yeah, I'm just going to do something a little different this week. Um, I want to have a look at the Grand National Trial at Haydock, the 240 race. I want to flag up a bit of a warning for the race. Um, That warning is to be wary of winners of the Haydock Grand National Trial on their next start. Only one of the last 25 winners won next time out. 12 of the 25 winners failed to finish their race next time out so it can be a very attritional race for participants now even if you stretch it to the first three home each year you find only three of the 75 horses that finished in the first three places in the grand national trial managed to win next time out furthermore 38 of the 75 that finished in the first three so just over 50 percent of them failed to finish their race next time out and it's not just a ground thing either now, yes it is often a race that is run on soft or heavy which may account for the race leaving a mark on runners but the last time it was run on good ground which is 2019 the first four home that year all finished pulled up next time out so even when this race is run on decent ground it's just a very very attritional race so be wary of the winning place horses in the grand national trial from haydock on their next start, they have an awful record. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant! What a what absolutely marvelous start! You see, you're not paying for this either. You're not paying for it. No. Brilliant. Oh, it's free. Yeah, it's a good watch. That's a good watch. Uh, many thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Racing Pod Blast, and remember to flick back through our Cheltenham Festival Pod Blast as well as uh, we've now covered all five of the main championship races for the twenty. 20- 23 Cheltenham Festival and we'll be adding more in the run-up to the festival itself. Stay tuned after our theme tune. We've got George who had a, a winner last week, a uh, underdog winning for him last week. Uh, George's boxing bonus coming after the theme tune. Thanks as always for listening and it's goodbye from us. See you Ben, thanks for joining us. Just done it. Thank you. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support over the last couple of months. It's much appreciated. Thank you very much. Hi lads, just a single bet this week for the main event in Nottingham which will be on DAZN on Saturday night. Lee Wood defends his WBA featherweight title against Maurizio Lara. Lara goes in as roundabout 2-5 favourite to beat Wood in his backyard. Obviously Lara's known for upsetting Josh Rongton as an unknown underdog two years ago and has gone on to impress ever since. But he's not without his flaws. He really commits to his shots and looks for the stoppage right from the off. Which led me on to think the t- how the tide may turn if the fight does reach the halfway point or goes into the later rounds. Wood has good power but Lyra's is on another level which makes him so dangerous particularly early on as I say. 
However, if Wood stays switched on, alert, and navigates his way into them later rounds, I think some holes may appear in Lyra's game. While Wood isn't a masterful boxer, Lyra also has flaws in that department when throwing his heavy and wild shots, as mentioned, and that could be exploited by Wood. Lyra's won his last two fights by third round stoppage and he stopped Warrington in the ninth. However, he had Warrington seriously hurt in the fourth and that could have been waved off at that point. So as mentioned, he's a very fast starter and any opponent of his needs to be wary. On the other hand, Wood has experience of going the rounds. His last two wins were both by 12th round stoppage and his last six fights have all gone into at least the ninth round. So as I say, if Wood has the game plan, which I actually think he will because we all know what Lyra brings, he can take Lara into them later rounds and maybe the tide turns and either he forces a late stoppage or a points win. So I'm going for the value here in Lee Wood to win in round 7-12 or on points under the double chance heading near the bottom on Skybet at 3-1. to one. I also like the look of Wood just to win the fight on points as well as a half point bet. It's entirely possible that the fight is a war as predicted but also goes to the cards as they both tough it out and I'd have to favour Wood to come out on top in that scenario. So that's Wood on points at 17-2 on Bet365.